when I was in the tough training session, um, you know, I always try to make things easier for myself, you know, so focus instead of focusing on the pain, focus on the form, you know. That Triathlon Show, episode 92. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I interview double Olympian Kate Roberts, who these days has turned to coaching in her home country of South Africa. We get into a lot of interesting and relevant topics for age group triathletes, including uh, time management and prioritization, Things that Kate's learned from working with world-class coaches throughout her career, like focusing on the execution and training smarter, not necessarily training more. Mental skills and goal setting, which is among Kate's specialties as a coach. And some other important and guiding triathlon training philosophy. Plus, you get some example training sessions that Kate tends to give her age group athletes that are just like you probably time crunched and need to get a lot of bang for their training time investment. So Kate participated in both the Beijing and the London Olympics. She has a silver medal from the Glasgow Commonwealth Games in 2014 and at her peak she was ranked 7th in the world. But before we dive into the interview with Kate, this episode is presented by Precision Hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com. You can use the discount code DATTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, for 15% off any of their electrolyte products. They recently published an article on their blog called Four Things We Learned From Getting Our Sweat Test Data Published in an Academic Journal. And last episode I talked about the first two points, but points three and four I will talk about today. And they are the number three, that the athletes tested in North America... That was baseball, basketball and American football players had higher than average sweat sodium losses compared to the UK uh, and uh, specifically the soccer or football and rugby players in the UK. So that's, that's not so relevant for triathletes perhaps unless we can conclude that there's more salt in the North American diet. I don't really know but uh, this final point, point number four, is very important and that was that there was a strong correlation between how much sodium the athletes thought that they lose in their sweat and their actual, actual sweat sodium concentration. And this is one of the founding pillars of the free online sweat test that you can take on precisionhydration.com that I'll link to in the show notes and you can find the link to the blog article as well. This episode is also sponsored by Ventum. The Ventum 1 is a true superbike with no down tube and no seat stays, which makes it more aerodynamic than a traditional bicycles. And you can read all about their impressive wind tunnel test results on VentumRacing.com, where the Ventum 1, among other competitors, beat the Cervelo that was tested and had an aerodynamic performance that was better with 24% less drag than the closest competitor. So, if you want to get a new triathlon bike for the 2018 season, look no further than VentumRacing.com. Alright, so now let's dive right into the interview with Kate Roberts. 
All right, so today I'm very happy to welcome Kate Roberts to That Triathlon Show. How are you today, Kate, on this New Year's Day? Uh, very well, thank you. And you? <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm really good. I'm my voice is a bit cracked because I went to a dinner party where the uh, sound level was higher than high yesterday. So you had to really shout to make yourself heard. So so my my voice isn't at its uh, podcasting peak probably for this episode, but let's hope I'll I'll bring it on you to to bring the good stuff for this episode and try to stay silent and mostly ask questions if uh, that's okay. So no so you're for the listeners that don't know about you you are a former professional triathlete from South Africa and you've been to the Olympics twice and uh, but now you're you're no longer racing competitively and you are actually coaching for since quite some time how many years have you been uh, coaching now Um yes I'm going into my fourth year of coaching um so yeah so not very long but so you know long enough to be have picked up some experience along the way and yeah um, and and I guess your athletic career also helped helped you pick up a thing or two here and there uh, yeah. to say the least so so when why did you decide to when you retired from professional triathlon to to get into coaching was it very natural a logical consequence of uh, just having been in the sport or what was the thought process yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, obviously it was logical to move into coaching. Um, I kind of got to the point in my career where I'd achieved everything I wanted to. I didn't feel there was anything left, um, for me to achieve. And, you know, I needed, I knew that I needed to, if I wanted to carry on and my motivation need, needed to be higher. And I just kind of felt that I'd done everything I wanted to. So it was sort of, um, the next progression was to get into coaching. And towards the end of my career, I'd kind of moved back toward, to, to South Africa. I'd been away for many years and kind of saw an opportunity, um, you know, to to work with juniors and to trans transfer the skills that I'd I'd use in my triathlon um, career into into the juniors. Um, so then I was it was quite a new, um, you know, new new goal for me and um, yeah, and that's what I decided to do. And um, yeah, and then I it was obviously it was quite a big transition going from being a professional athlete into coaching. Um, and you know it came with its challenges, um, but yeah, so far so good, and and I'm enjoying it, and and you know still got lots to learn, but um, but yeah, it's it's been a great journey so far. What range of juniors do you coach? What what age ranges and and what ability ranges? Um, yeah, so I mean, I don't I don't really I I, I focus on juniors. Um, so that was when I started out, I sort of you know encouraged um, any junior to come and join me and. To, to try and identify talent um, and then to try and sort of um, show them the skills that are really important, especially in draft legal racing. Um, and then, you know, as, as I as I progressed in my coaching, I did start helping a few age groupers um, here and there, but predominantly my focus has been on juniors just because uh, I have quite a big um, ambition to give back to the sport in, in, in South Africa. And I felt there was a des desperate need for people to do that in South Africa you know we had lots of age group coaches we had lots of coaches that were helping um you know age groupers and even elite athletes but there was no one really focusing on juniors um and that was something I felt that was really um, important if you wanted to develop them into into the Richard Murrays and the Henry Skimmons of this world so that's kind of how I got into it and you know it's, it's been it's been challenge challenging but at the same time very rewarding um and you know I hope to one day look back and say that I did make a difference, um, you know, by coaching the juniors and giving back to the sport, sport of triathlon. 
Yeah, but it, but it's uh, it's good that you're also saying that you are coaching some some age groupers because that gives the listeners some uh, perspective and and I guess that uh, you know what it's what it's like to be an age group triathlete from even if it's not your main focus from that experience that you have with them and and we can try to bring out some some tips for that segment of the audience which is uh, the almost everybody basically as well and and probably coaching juniors has helped you with age groupers and vice versa as well just learning things from different demographics and applying it in different areas of your coaching yes most definitely um so yeah i enjoy working with age groupers um you know, they, they challenge me as well. Um, and, it's, you know, as you say, time management's a big big factor in their lives. And, um, you know, we need to manage time um, very effectively for them to get the best out of themselves. Um, so, yeah, I find it, you know, just as rewarding and challenging. Um, and I enjoy it because they're mostly athletes that are very, you know, they, they do lots in their lives and um, and um, and they're very, very hardworking. And it's, it's, it's really great to work with those type of athletes. Yeah, let's get into that. That's a really good topic. What do you think, like, uh, or expand upon your your thoughts on like effective triathlon training on when you are an age group and you have a crunched time budget for training? Yeah, I mean it's very difficult because I mean they have lots going on in their lives, and um, you know, and, and triathlon is just one aspect of it. Um, but I always say the most important thing when you're coaching age groupers is to really make sure that you plan, you know, your week ahead, your day ahead. Um, I always say, I call it the five P's, uh, proper planning prevents poor performance. Um, so it's very important for them to plan their days because, I mean, they've got lots, they've got to go to work. Some of them have kids and families and, you know, really, or really, really demanding um, jobs. So then they've got to juggle triathlon and triathlon is normally an outlet for them, um, you know, their own, their own space and their own time to, to think and feel, you know, outside of the craziness of their work and family life. Um so they love, they love it, um, but the, yeah, the key aspect is to plan and then obviously I also tell them that you know, if they should miss a session, which, which often happens, is never to try and fit it in, um, you know, again, because that's when, when, you're running, when you're running into problems, you know, when they say they missed a swim session on the Monday and then they try and fit it in on the Tuesday with a bike and a run session and on the Wednesday they're really tired and then, then they miss their, their Wednesday session. So I always say if you're not able to get to a session – you know, put it behind you, and then focus on on the sessions that you that you have to do in, in you know following the week. So, so that's you know that's always an important aspect because if they don't do that, then they like I said they run into problems. Often they get sick and injured, and and then that breaks the consistency of their training, which is you know what they want. They want consistency um, in their training, in their training, in their weekly training, in their monthly training, um, and in the build up to a race. Yeah, and I guess that that causes you as an athlete to think that hey, if I don't manage my time properly today, if I miss my training today, then I won't get to do this session at all. So so it forces you to to really be be mindful of what you're doing with your time and and actually planning properly from the start and and not like being very casual about it and and maybe skipping a session that you wouldn't have needed to skip and then just because you would have thought that you could fit in later but you're not allowed to do that your coach says no so so you're actually forced to plan from the start you mentioned there the planning your week ahead and planning your days ahead do you are, do you have any other tips that are like maybe less foundational but but that you still see that help your your athletes uh, be, be consistent in their training and, and get their training done 
Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a lot of the time in age groupers, they also they like to focus on the on the um, on the disciplines that they really good at. So a lot of them enjoy cycling. Um, so then they just want to go cycle all the time. Um, so often I tell them, you know, you also need to focus on the disciplines that aren't so nice because um, that's where they can make some 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 good gains. Um, but at the same time, knowing where you spend most of the time in the race. Um, so obviously, if they're doing sort of a 70.3 race um, or, you know, even an Olympic distance race where, the, you know, the time spent on the bike is, is, the, is, is the most time, you know, that's where you kind of have to have to spend a lot of your time, um, more so than the swimming and the, and the running. Um, but it's, you know, it's, dif- it's difficult to balance it. You also need to balance it according to the strengths and weakness. So like I said, if they're a very good cyclist, um, then, then you need to also focus on, on your weaknesses um, where you can improve. Um, which often they don't like, but I mean, I guess we all we all like that. We all like to do the things that we enjoy. Um, but you know, if you're a bad swimmer and you and you're really struggling with your swimming technique, it's really something that you can improve quickly um, if you if you focus on on the elements of of you know drills and those kind of things um, to improve improve the swimming and to make and to make the swimming in the race more enjoyable. Because if you yeah. Yeah, because if you don't. So, sorry, go on. No, I'm just saying if you don't do it, then um, you know, then you get to the race and you haven't done enough swimming, um, and then you just don't enjoy the race in the swimming in the swimming leg. So it is important to to be able to focus on the weaknesses. Yeah. Well, what about? So you mentioned there a bit about how to uh, distribute the time between different disciplines depending on on what your goal distance is. Do you have any other like in terms of how to structure? the workouts themselves the training sessions what they look like or uh, that that you think are maybe different when it comes to coaching age groupers that are on a very limited time budget compared to what you would do if you were preparing for a race as a professional athlete in in your past at least with uh, an, a very big time budget effective travel time effective triathlon training simply yeah, so for age groupers unfortunately a weekend is, is very critical um so they need to be, most of them have weekends off and that's where they need to spend um, their time training is over a weekend. You know, during the week, they're very limited with time um, due to work commitments. So it's important for them to focus on, on training lots over the weekend. So that's when you do, your, you know, your big miles of, you know, your long bikes, your long runs, um, because you don't necessarily have the time in the week to do that. Um, and in the week, you normally focus on, you know, your shorter, sharper sessions um, that don't take as much time. Um, you know, so some of them might only have an hour in the morning or an hour um, at lunchtime, and that's all they can fit in. Almost sometimes they only have one session a day. So you've just got to you've got to plan it around um, their their schedule. Um, so make sure that you you know you're getting you say for instance you're getting your your speed session of swimming, your distance session of swimming, um, and a technique session of swimming in a week. Um, and then obviously you need to, you know, you need a long bike somewhere um, and that's normally over the weekend and long run is normally over the weekend. But then sort of your speed bike, your speed sessions on the run and the bike, um, you can do that in the week when you when you have less time. So, you know, you need to structure around that. And then obviously, you know, like a, a training plan is always very, um, very important to structure around the athlete's needs. Um, so you structure it according to, you know, sometimes on a Wednesday, you know, he, they might want to, you know, they might they might have a, a, a serious work function that then they can't do any training. Um, so then you need to schedule in a rest day on possibly a Wednesday um, 
So you know, you just you have to sort of take the athletes' needs into consideration, and then obviously according to um, what distance they're training for. You know, if they're training for seventy point three, um, uh, bike is a is a is a is a serious focus, and and swimming less of a focus because that's where you spend you spend more time on the bike and less time on the swimming. Um, so you just got to adapt it to the athlete's needs. Mm. So what about the intensity and volume aspects of, of training? Do you see that that's different in terms of the distribution of the volume and the importance of volume and intensity for age groupers compared to, to pro athletes? Uh, yes and no. Obviously, it depends on the level of the age grouper. Um, you know, if you're giving, you can't give too many intense, intense sessions because then, you know, they take a lot out of the athlete. Um, but you also can't give too little intense sessions, you know, because that's where effectively how they improve is through, through intensity. Um, it also depends on the, you know, sort of on the time of the year, you know, when they're training, if they're doing, you know, if they've got a two or three week holiday period, then you put in some nice miles for them, um, you know, so they can get that base foundation. But if they, you know, if they're going back to work, then you, um, then you focus on, you know, some some skill development and also some some speed intensity work that will that won't be as time consuming and they can get the most out of the session. Um, but yeah, then like I said, the, the weekends are always long rides, runs off the bike, um, long long runs. You know, that's the time where you have the most time available normally, and that's where you can put in the, the good training sessions. Um, so yeah, so around, my, so around my age groupers, I normally, like I said, in swimming, I normally like them to do a one distance swim a week, one skill session a week. Um, what can you give? Can you give very brief examples of what a distance swim and a skill swim and an, an interval or speed swim, sorry, might look like? Just to to give an idea for the listeners. So in terms of uh, distance swimming, you know, they call it. You know, you just sort of do maybe. Um, you know, you get in the water and sort of depending maybe three three to four k workout at the most, um, and then you just sort of you know do your warm up and your cool down. But in the in the in the in the main set, you'll do something like ten times three hundred meters um, with very limited rest, fifteen seconds at the most. But it's not it's not a hard session. It's just a you know easy 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 swim, easy three hundred meters where you know you're not getting your heart rate up, but you're just getting the distance in. Um, you know, you can break it up between a snorkel or it's just a swim, maybe a pulling. Um, so you say, say uh, one swim, one pull, one snorkel, um, do that three times um, and then do another swim at the end. So you can get 10, 300s in and then just very short rest in between, but nothing, nothing hard. Um, and then your skill session, you obviously do lots of, um, you know, lots of drills, drills that work specifically for the athlete. Um, where they need to improve on their swim, swim, swimming um, stroke. Um, so then, you know, then you, you don't worry about the times or what times you're swimming or anything like that. Um, you just like... How many drills do you like an athlete to, to have at most or, or at least? Like what, what's the range of drills that you think is appropriate in, in a session for any given athlete? It just depends on the athlete. Like, um, yeah, I would say they normally focus on three to four drills that they need to work on. Um, and then, you know, you sort of do, a, you know, like a 50 meter drill, 50 meter swim or 25 meter drill, 25 meter swim. Um, there's obviously a whole lot of drills that they can work on. Um, another aspect is, you know, band swimming. So that teaches you to, you know, to just swimming with a band. If, they, if they're very good, they can do that. Um, teaches you, you know, to get over your stroke. Um, obviously, pool swimming and open water swimming is quite different. So you need them to make sure that they 
that they don't have the glide they do in um in the pool a lot of athletes tend to have the glide whereas in open water swimming it's not it's not necessary to have the glide so you need them to get over you know they call it over the barrel or how you're hugging someone so you try and teach that technique to them and band only swimming helps a lot for that or abandon a pool boy um so yeah so there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of techniques that they need to understand and focus on um and then um uh, you know and then obviously going back to the speed or the the sort of threshold sessions you know that's where you you know you focus on sort of the critical swim speed yeah obviously you've worked that out and then you do a session according to what they should be holding so if, if they're holding one out one minute 30 per 100 you know you do like maybe 15 to 21 hundreds hold on 130 um leaving off every two minutes you know it's a tough session um but that's gonna that's gonna give them that um in in the race been able to to hold this pace that they that they're wanting to to hold for for the specific distance yeah for for listeners episode 27 that's uh, on swimming training zones or actually swimming threshold the critical swim speed as kate mentioned so you can go and and listen to that and and i will teach you about critical swim speed and how to how to how to use that um so what about uh, some key lessons that you learned in your professional career that you apply in your coaching today. Do you have any examples of that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, when you're a triathlete, you have to be very dedicated and committed, um, you know, to your training. Um, and it's the same thing for my coaching. You know, I've got to be dedicated and committed to my athletes. Um, so, that, you know, there's obviously a lot of transferable skills from being a, a triathlete um, as a, on a professional level and then taking those over to my coaching. Um, I, re- I mean, I, there's a whole lot of things that I learned when, when I was a triathlete that the more you communicated with your coach, the better off, you know, you were going to be, you know, they were going to understand you better. So I always try and tell my athletes that, you know, the more they communicate with me, the better I know that they're doing the sessions and they're understanding the sessions. So communication is key between an athlete and, um, and a coach. Um, yeah, and then obviously I learned, to, you know, the big one of the big things I learned is um, – is to you know as an athlete I always made sure that I had goals in mind um and um, as a coach I also have goals in mind um so and I teach my athletes you know to to to, goal setting is important you know and they need to be able to write those goals down because then they're accountable for them um so so that was important for me um as an athlete and you know that's why I I was a very I was a very goal-orientated person um and some you know some sometimes you reach those goals sometimes you didn't then you always, you know, you always knew what you were working towards, which is which is important um, for an athlete and also for a coach. Yeah, let, let's do a quick sidetrack on that because that's uh, something that I found in my background research on you that is one of your specialties, the mental skills. And uh, let's do something other than goal setting because we actually talked about goal setting before on this podcast. But what's one thing within the, the realm of mental skills that you find that you think most most listeners most age group triathletes would would find useful that you can that you can teach us um yeah it was obviously i mean goals is a very important aspect but then you know um the day in day out of training is not always pretty you know the days where you're really tired and you don't want to do it and you know the other better things to do um but if you have a goal in mind then you understand you know what you're working towards um so so some days my athletes are motivated, other days they're really not motivated. And as a coach, you need them to understand that, you know, that, that that's part of the course. Um, you know, some days we, 
really struggle to get out of bed and it's really difficult. But but if you have that goal in mind and know what you're working towards, then, then it does make it easier and does make it worthwhile getting out of bed in the morning. Um, because like I said, some you know when you're training day in day out, it's it's not it's not always pretty. Um, so and it's it can be really you can be really exhausted and tired. Um, but if you have that goal in mind, then it then it makes it worthwhile. And then when you reach that goal, it really does make it worthwhile because then all that effort um, is, is it has been worth it. Do you have something that you used in your career when to get through a tough training session, for example, some uh, thinking process or positive self-talk or something yeah there's i mean obviously i always you know when i was in the tough training session um you know i always try to make things easier for myself you know so focus instead of focusing on the pain focus on the form you know what am i doing am i you know am am i when i'm swimming hard am i doing the entry right or you know am, am i engaging the core when i run um you know am i getting my cadence up so those are little cues that you can think of um, instead of thinking of the pain, you know, um, am I leaning forward when I run? You know, am I getting on the bike? Am I in the right position? You know, am I am I comfortable on the bike? Um, you know, am I getting my cadence up? Is my power is my power where it needs to be? You know, focusing on those things instead of the pain um, really did help me um, in terms of and and also another thing was important was not focusing on the outcome but focusing on the process. So. Um, you know, we used to call it ticking the boxes. You know, so I'm currently, I'm currently going to start the race, and you know, what do I need to do to have a good start? Do I need, you know, I need to stand next to good people to help me get out of the out of the mess, and then do I need to get get on some good feet? So you're always thinking on the on the process, and then when you get out of the swim, you know, focusing focusing on the form during the swim, getting out, um, you know, having a good transition. You know, those those are ticking the boxes, and I always say to my athletes, if you've ticked. 85 to 95 percent of the boxes and you know then regardless of the outcome we, we had a good race um so you're not focusing specifically on the on the outcome you're focusing on that process of of doing well in the race um and then if you ticked 85 to 95 percent of the goals no matter where you came in the race you can be happy um and then you know we work towards the next race so those are kind of mental aspects that are that i teach my my athletes yeah, I, th I think especially for very driven athletes, that last thing is super important because otherwise, if you have a tough goal and you have a maybe a subpar swim, then you are going to have a really hard time to achieve that that outcome goal. But uh, if you have those process goals instead of instead of outcome goals, then you will still be able to have a really good race. Although you might just just fail to reach that outcome goal, but you can still. Have a, have a really good race because you you had an excellent bike and an excellent run because you just forgot about the poor swim and and got on with it and and kept ticking those boxes so so i think that especially for those driven athletes that's that's an absolute key to good performance in in races what, one thing that i wanted to talk about is uh, you were coached by by darren smith who is a, a very uh, good and uh, renowned Australian triathlon coach. Is there anything special that you learned from him that uh, that could be useful for us to to learn? Yeah, I mean, and there was lots of things that Darren taught me. Obviously, you know, one of the biggest things was, you know, it's not about how much we train; it's about how smart we train. You know, are we getting the most out of our sessions? You know, are we recovering from our sessions? You know, are we do we have the right technique when we do the sessions? Um, those are little things that I never realized were important. Um, but you know, Darren taught me that. You know, it's you know, if you've got a bad technique in swimming, there's no, there's no, there's no. You need to sort it out because you're you're going to reach a point where no matter how much you swim, you're not going to improve unless you sort out your technique. 
Um, so those are things that I, you know, I learned and it's not the easy way, um, you know, as an athlete to understand that because you just want to train and you always think the more you train, the better you're going to get. But there comes a point where the more you train, um, you, you're not going to be able to improve unless you have excellent technique. So those are things that he, that he really, um, you know, made sure that we, we understood because he knew that to get that extra percentage or a few percent, you know, it was all about making sure you had, you had really good technique. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have any other, like, really foundational principles that you find yourself keeping reminding your athletes of time and time again, the general training principles or life principles even? Yeah, I mean, I, like I always try and teach, you know, consistency is is, is going to what it's going to make us better. So, um, you know, so making sure that we do the training day in day out, whether it's nice or not nice, um, making sure we listen to our bodies. So, um, you know, if we feel that we're getting sick, um, then we need to, you know, take it back a notch. Um, so it's not all about doing everything hard all the time. You know, if you feel that you're on the edge and you need a day, take a day easy, then you need to listen to your body, which is very difficult for some of us because we so we want to do so well and we think the more we train, the better we're going to do. Um, but it's really important to make sure that you that you listen to your body. Um, and then also, obviously if there's any little niggles coming along, don't leave them too late. Make sure that you get on top of them. You know, you do your rehab work. Um, you go and see a physio if you feel that there's something not right. Um, those things prevent, you know, prevent you from breaking the consistency in your training. Um, and if you're able to train, train consistency, that's how you become better. Yeah, yeah. Point to take into myself. I'm going to <laughs> go and start looking for a physio because I had some knee, knee issues the 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 last few weeks with my running. Um, that's. Uh, and that's beside the point, perhaps. But yeah, I definitely agree. I, I agree with those things. One, one thing I wanted to piggyback on was uh, when you talked about those swimming example sets for the week. And, and we also talked about the one hour uh, more intense bike and run session that time crunch age groupers might do during a week. What Can you give some a couple of examples? So one bike session example that you would give and, and a run session example that you would give as that one hour weekly workout? Um, so for, you know, for, for an age group, uh, um, you know, there's obviously various runs you can do, um, but a, a yield run session is always very good for them because it focuses on, on the technique, you know, they've got to learn how to run the yield really well with good technique to get to the top, you know, leaning forward, engaging the glutes, um, that kind of thing. And it makes them strong quickly. So I always, I always like to do a yield session for my age group athletes, you know, whether it's four times five minutes yield session. And then jogging back down the hill. Um, uh, so so that, that's roughly that's that's roughly four repeats on Table Mountain. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So hill session is always was always a good um, a good session to do. Um, and then um, and then for cycling, you know, hill sessions again another hill session is good, but obviously sometimes it's difficult to get to find the hill. Um, and then to you know, a lot of age groupers. Um, because they time, they t they push for times to, um, and they like to use a trainer, um, and, and obviously a lot of them like to use power as well, which is very useful for their for their kind of racing. Because if you understand power and understand where you where you need to be um, in a race, and you stick to the power, then you know you you're able to run well off the bike, which is important. So uh, you know for them, it's recommended to them, them to do a FPT test and then understand where their power ranges are. And then obviously to work in those power ranges. So whether it be, you know, 
five times 10 minutes or four times 15 minutes, you know, within their power range. Those are very good sessions for them. One one more question before we roll into the rapid fire questions. And that's uh, in addition to the, the mental skills that we already talked about, you also take a, a great interest in, in nutrition. So is there something that you see that many, many athletes do wrong with nutrition and that uh, a simple fix or improvement that that could help listeners of this show and nutrition is all again all about planning you know planning your meals it's, it's very important um but you know one thing i and age groupers do like it is you know they subscribe to quite a lot of supplements which i don't always agree with um you know i think if you have a healthy balanced diet you don't need to take a lot of supplements um so so yeah, I I I I I subscribe to the you know the healthy healthy um, eating planning planning your meals, making sure you don't eliminate any serious food groups from your diet. Um, but then also to have a balanced a balanced approach, you know, um, not to think too too seriously about it, not to overthink it, and um, and to kill yourself if you had a chocolate or whatever, because you know um, it's difficult. Um, and 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 to make sure that you're eating enough, because often you 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 know you you can get a bit um a bit you know um what's the word um a bit too serious about the diet um and just to have a balanced approach about it because if you're training hard and you're eating well um you know then then it's then then it'll be good for you and then obviously one critical thing with diet is to make sure that with you know if you've had a hard session to refuel within 30 minutes so that you can you know make sure that you get the you know refuel for the following session um, so that's that's always a critical aspect of of nutrition, is to make sure that you refill um, thirty minutes within thirty minutes after a serious um, session. Yeah, that 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 would be my answer to the question. The refueling that's something that I think that most people unfortunately don't do or they don't do well enough, and and then it hurts them later on in the day when they mm. when they are starving. Mm. Uh, so let's move into some rapid fire questions. So these are just very short and sweet questions and take uh, 10, 15 seconds or so to answer these. No, no more. Uh, starting with what's your favorite book, blog or resource related to triathlon? I mean, obviously, I read a lot of um, triathlon related stories. But I mean, You've got the, you know, um, training peaks. There's a lot of useful stuff on there, especially for age groupers. Um, there's so much reading material there that I love to read. Um, obviously, I like to read, um, follow the Slow Twitch blog, which gives me um, insight into various athletes and how they live and how they see things. Um, and then um, I've also listened to Joel Filio's podcast, which have been very interesting. Um, and then obviously... Brett Sutton has some interesting things that you can take from him and he has a, you know he's really also focused on age groupers so there's a lot to learn from him um so yeah those are the those are the four 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 blogs and podcasts that I like to listen to brilliant um, what's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success um I'd go back to that goal setting where I spoke about early you know having a goal writing it down being accountable for it is something that I feel that has helped me achieve um, what I've achieved. Um, so you know, every time this time of year, I write my goals down um, and then, you know, to work towards them. And uh, like it's really important to write them down because if you don't write them down, then you're not accountable for them and you kind of forget what your goals were. Um, so that's something that I'd... 42%, I think, is the 
the in- improvement, the increase in likelihood that you will achieve a goal just by the mere act of writing it down. That's a Harvard study or something similar that I read. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact figure, but it's something some, something around 40%, I believe. Finally, yes. what, what do you wish you had known or wish you had done differently at some point in your triathlon journey? Um, yeah, when you, when you become a coach, you realize, you know, like, you know, these are all of things. Um, some, you know, I, I feel that, um, you know, when I was a, when I was a, uh, uh, athlete, like I said, I always thought the more I trained, the better I was going to be. Um, but, um, you know, and especially in my earlier days, but, you know, when I, I realized that, you know, that training smart is something that you can do and you don't need to train as much to get them to get good results. You just need to train smart, you know. Um, and maximize the training that you're doing. Um, so those are that was a really important thing that I'd sometimes learned. Sometimes I felt I did a whole lot of garbage miles that took a lot of time that didn't really benefit my my racing. So you know you need to find out what your strengths and weaknesses are and adapt them to your needs. Brilliant. And uh, where can we find out more about you and and follow you? So where can we find out more about you and um, follow you on social media and on the internet? Yeah, I mean, I don't I've, currently. I've I haven't really gone. I haven't really got a website at the moment. I'm trying to working on getting my website up and running, but that will be up and running in, in the new year. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Katie Pure. I've got an Instagram account. I think it's Katie Pure One, and then I've also got a Facebook account, which is um, just under Kate Roberts. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll link that. to link to those in in the show notes uh, on thatraflonshow.com. So anybody who wants to can go and, and check them out. Uh, all right. Uh, Thank you, Kate. This has been really, really great talking to you and, and hearing your insights. Uh, it was uh, a pleasure having you on and uh, I wish you all the best for 2018. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. So I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I really enjoyed talking with Kate. You can find the show notes for this episode as usual on thattriathlonshow.com. And if you want to comment on this episode and you have uh, some some things that uh, you want to clarify or you have your own ideas or thoughts on some of the topics that we discussed, then uh, post your comments on that show notes page that you'll find from linked to from thattriathlonshow.com and uh, I'll be there to take an active part in the conversation on the comments. So a few key takeaways that I got from uh, this interview were first... Be aware that training's not always going to be pretty, as Kate said. Getting through it consistently, even when you don't have that same drive and motivation every morning, is uh, huge for long-term success. And having that goal in the back of your head is going to be a key key factor in making sure that you get up and get training when it feels a bit rougher than usual. Second, it's not all about the time that you put into training, but it's about how smart you train as well, or maybe more importantly. And that's one of the reasons why some age group triathletes can have massive success on very limited training time compared to others. Because just getting junk mileage done isn't going to cut it if you want uh, big triathlon improvements. That's just a fact. And related, finally, related to that previous point, uh, put in the focus and the presence in every session. And and that, in my opinion, is a massive part of smart training that I mentioned in the second point. Being present, being focused. And that's one of my 
foundational coaching philosophies and something that I talk a lot with my athletes about. So you could somewhat simplistically say that what you get out of a training sessions, uh, session, how much you improve, is directly proportional to the focus that you bring into that session. So for example, let's say you have a racing nemesis that you want to beat, but he or she trains 40% more hours than you do. But if you bring 50% more focus and presence into your training sessions than he or she does, then you are actually doing very, very well because you are most likely getting a lot more out of it. I'm not saying that it's directly uh, a like one-to-one ratio. That's not the point. That's why I caveated it by saying that it's a simplistical uh, explanation. But still, the point stands that you can get so much more out of the training session if you're actually focused and present at all times throughout the session, not just the first five minutes and then you tune out. Be focused, be present, and gain those improvement. And also, as Kate said, this is a nice bonus. Uh, it's a nice way to distract yourself a bit from the pain that you will feel in a in a hard training session by just focusing on, on the execution in, in every single moment. So, those are my key takeaways, and I want to hear yours. So go to thattriathlonshow.com and post them in the comments for this episode. The next episode will be released on Monday, and that's an interview with Steve Palladino, who is perhaps the forerunner of all forerunners when it comes to running with power. And a very large part of my knowledge about running with power comes from following his work very, very closely, so I'm thrilled to have him on. And we will dive deeper into running with power than I or any other podcast episode ever has done, and uh, really get down into some specifics on how to use it and how to benefit from it. So I highly recommend that if you haven't already uh, listened to episode 59 with Chris Haig on Running With Power, that's where you'll also get the basics, but we also dive into some more advanced concepts uh, on that episode, but what we start with from the ground level so that you can learn the concepts about training with power. So listen to that and then you'll be better prepared to listen to the interview with Steve on Monday. And finally, I'll also want to remind you to go and take the That Triathlon Show 2018 survey that uh, is linked to down below in the show notes, in the episode description, in your podcast app, or you can go directly to scientifictriathlon.com forward slash survey. Now I'm very happy to finally get to stop talking because I'm, as I mentioned in the interview with Kate, uh, yesterday was New Year's Eve and my voice is really, really not at its peak form today. I'll go and have a nice little run, see if my knee holds up. Uh, I first want to thank, obviously, our sponsors. First, Ventum. Thank you, Ventum, for supporting that triathlon show. You can find them on VentumRacing.com. And friend of the show, Cody Bills, who is perhaps the smartest professional triathlete out there, rides Ventum, and I believe that if he thinks they're the fastest, they probably are, because that dude is so smart. You can listen to my interview with Cody from back in the day when I still did a couple of pro-athlete interviews in episode 11. And thank you also to Precision Hydration for sponsoring this episode. Go and take your free online sweat test on precisionhydration.com to get your personalized hydration strategy for your next race. And if you buy any electrolyte products, use the discount code that triathlon show, all one word, for 15% off. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.